0: I started doodling something, Uh-oh. just out of my head, and it's. Always, I said, "Wait a minute, that looks like it might be something." And so I, I put a little more time to it, and said, "Oh, you've got to be kidding me!" <laughs> and so I put a little more time into it, and took a little bit more time. So at the end, we'll go over what that stuff was. You I do promise, because it's all all in there, <laughs> and uh, kind of looks into what what we're doing here tonight. So if you hang on to the end, you'll find out what that, what all my doodling was about. There's no doodles on your outline, but. We'll help you um, help you put them together. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18, "For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure what was commanded, and if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow." And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Kind of funny, I don't remember that uh, quote from Moses. But apparently the writer from Hebrews does. So we're talking about going all the way back to when Israel had gone to the mountain. And their first experience facing God there. And so we're going to go back in the Exodus chapter 19 but he describes this as the mountain that could be touched, but they're not supposed to. So it's, it's, it's a mountain that's physical in that you can go up to it, you could touch it, but he says, uh, don't. Don't do it or you'll die. Uh, the mountain was burning with fire. It turned blackness, it, it burned to blackness. Because of all the fire, it actually burned the mountain. Uh, there was darkness all around and a tempest like a storm was there. And this is what they were facing. They weren't facing necessarily sunny days. Maybe it was sunny outside of the other areas. But over there, it was it was dark like a storm. And the things you would associate with a storm. I, I imagine wind, maybe even some lightning. Uh, these kind of things were, were there. And it was terrifying to them. And they made sounds that caused those who heard it to be, be in fear. And it even says that Moses himself became afraid to go up on this mountain. So he says, don't go back to that. (laughs) Let's go back to it anyway. Exodus chapter 19. Let's read this over. Uh, There's something a little bit comical in here. In the uh, verse 1, In the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. So Moses is down at the base of the mountain with all the people, and he goes up to the mountain to uh, to meet with God. And when he gets there, God says, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. So he gives them some things to say. Verse 4, <clears throat> You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I have... I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to Myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey My voice and keep My covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to Me above all people. For all the earth is Mine, and you shall be to Me a kingdom, a priest, a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words before the Lord commanded them. So Moses goes, goes up, in verse three, he goes up the mountain. We're not talking a hill. We're talking a mountain. He goes up the mountain in verse three. In verse seven, he comes down the mountain. And he tells the people all these things, and the word from God. Just, just remember this word from God. God says, "Children of Israel, you are my special people. Love you. You're, you're, extraordinarily." Uh, special to me. I just want to let, want to let you know how much you guys mean to me, and I really like you. And i to be watching over you guys. Just some nice words. He comes down and he gets, does all that. So then in verse eight, then all the people answered together and said, "All that the Lord has spoken, we will do." So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. So Moses goes down. Tells all the people the stuff. They said, oh, we'll do whatever God says. And he goes up the mountain again. Verse nine. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in a thick cloud. And the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the Lord, of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come upon the mountain Sinai, in the sight of all the people, and you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain, you shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people. Then they washed their clothes. So he goes up the mountain again. And there and here, in verse 14, he comes down the mountain again to tell the people basically this. You know, the first time he comes down from the mountain, he says, you guys are a special people. Really like you. And the second time he comes down, he says, don't come near the mountain or I'll kill you. <laughs> come near the mountain and touch it, you die. That's what's going to happen to you guys. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Then it comes to pass on the third day in the morning and they were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. So God's making all, God's making the noise. Now remember, he loves his people. He sent down the message first. I love you. I love you. Now look, I want to protect you. Don't come near the mountain. I'm going to kill you. Don't come near the mountain. Stay away from the mountain. You'll be all right. And uh, then he comes down here on, on this day he makes all kinds of noise. I mean, God is making a noise and makes a noise to, to, to scare them. Have you ever done this? You know, I think dads are probably more prone to this than, than moms are. But, you know, when the kids are growing up and dad figures out something will scare the kids and he does it. And the kids get scared. And what's the mom say? Well, you quit it. Stop scaring the kids. You're yelling at the yelling at the dad for scaring the kids and so forth. God's up there, you know. I I love you, I love you, I love you. Now I'm going to scare you, (laughs) and he makes noises up there, trumpet noises and thunderings and 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 voices. I mean, they're hearing all these noises and they get so scared, so trembling. They tell Moses, "We don't want to go anywhere near the mountain. We don't want to hear the words anymore. You do it." And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in a fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. The mountain is quaking. I mean, that can be a scary noise. This mountain is quaking. Moses is going to climb up this mountain. I mean, it's one thing to climb up a mountain. That's another thing to climb up a mountain that's quaking and shaking, making noises. When the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, God's got trumpets up on the mountain that if you blow on the top of the mountain, you hear down below loudly. That is some kind of a trumpet. When the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke. And God answered him with by voice. Now this is probably one of those trumpets that's going to be blasted when he comes back. That the whole world's going to hear. Right now they're hearing it here. I wonder if the Egyptians heard the, the, uh, the trumpet. What in the world is that racket going on out over there? Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. So here in verse 20. Moses went up. So he goes up, he comes down. He goes up, he comes down. He goes up, he comes down. Keep going up and down. Verse 21. Now remember verse 20. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. Then Moses went up. God says on the third day after all this is done, I'm going to call you back up here. So the third day came. God called him. Come on back up. He gets back up there and God says, the Lord says to Moses, go down and warn the people. <laughs> Does that not seem a little ridiculous to you? He waits for Moses to get all the way up to the top of the mountain again. And when he gets up there, he says, go down. I just got here. I just got here. Go down and warn the people, lest they break. The people that I, I love you. You're special. You're special people to me. I love you. Don't come near this mountain. I'll kill you. Wipe you right out. And then Moses gets up there, go down and warn these people. Go down there and you tell them people, because them people are disobedient people. I know they're going to try and break on through. But I love them. Careful. They're special. But go down there and warn them. Because they're stupid. I don't know, doesn't it seem like God's going back and forth on this thing? And let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, the people, cannot come up to the mountain for you warned us. Are you, are you getting the idea that Moses doesn't want to go back down? <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of reading this thing over. I'm getting the idea Moses doesn't want to make the trip again. Uh, they, they can't come up. God, you warned us. I warned them. I told them, don't come up here. And they're all afraid. They are scared. They are so scared from all the noises you're making up here. They do not want to come up. People cannot come up to Mount Sinai for you warned us, saying, set bounds, Around the mountain. Consecrated. And the Lord said to him, Away! Get down! And then come up. So God's kind of losing patience with Moses here. Don't you try and talk me out of this. I told you to go down. You go down right now. Get down there and warn them people. And I was just there. I mean, I just was there. I went, I warned them. Away! Get down! And then come up. You and Aaron, with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. Now it says here that Aaron with you, but Aaron doesn't make the trip up. He must have made the trip part of the way up and then went on back down because we know Aaron is down there with them and makes the golden calves. So Moses went down in verse 25. And then I just put this for chapter 20. He went up again. <laughs> <clears throat> and he stayed up there until he uh, got the, all the law written down and then he came down in chapter 32. Got a got some days he rests. What is it, 40 days he was up there? Got some time to rest. But understand, Moses is in his 80s. That's a lot of going up and down the mountain. I don't know about you, but uh, we're, we're not talking hills. You know, cross-country runners, we're used to hills. This is mountains. And if you've ever seen pictures of uh, this particular Mount Sinai... You know, um, there's a mountain. Four times he's going up, coming back down. Up and down. Up and down. Up and down. On a mountain. And it's not easy coming down a mountain. It's hard going uphill, but it's tough coming down again. And what do you think Moses is doing in his head? I just came up here? No, I gotta go back down. Is he gonna tell me again that I gotta go back down? Those kind of things can come down. I don't know if, he did, if they did or not. He may have been in such uh, trembling and fear. He may not have. But that's a lot of trips up and down. And it just seemed to be kind of odd that that would go in. But here's what we got from here. We got all the shaking. We got all the quaking. We got all the noise. Blessed the trumpets storms, all that sort of stuff. This is what's going on. This is the picture that the writer of Hebrews wants us to have. That when you come to Mount Sinai, it is a picture of do not touch. It is a picture of dark storms. We're not talking light. We're talking darkness. We're talking smoke. We're talking fear. We're talking scary voices. Loud trumpets. So much so that Moses... Who had stood already in the presence of God was afraid to go up. That's the picture he's saying in this. And after all that, after he paints his picture with them and they get the idea because they've, they've been told these stories over and over again. They know the stories of Exodus and coming out of Egypt, going to the mountain, receiving the law. They know these stories well. He's reminding them of that. But then in verse 22 he says, but you have not come to Mount Zion, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. To an innumerable, innumerable company of angels. So he's painting a picture. Here it is. Here's Sinai. Dark. Loud. Scary. Do not touch. No one goes up there except Moses. Everyone else has to stay back. But you haven't come to that mountain. You've come to Mount Zion. The city of the living God. How many cities are there around Mount Sinai? None. It's a wilderness. This is, this is a place where there's cities around. There's vineyards. There's olive trees. There's gardens. There's, uh, herds. There's food around this one. There's, uh, there's springs of water around Mount Zion. There, there's good things. It's sunshiny. It's nice. He says, this is the place you come to. You come to a place where there's springs of water. How'd they get water around Mount Sinai? They hit rocks. Water's coming out of rocks. Water water had to show up supernaturally. How'd they get food out there in the wilderness? It It had to come raining down upon them from heaven. It was a supernatural thing. There was nothing around there that would support them. And this is, this is what they came from. He said, you haven't come to, to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, this, this is this doesn't represent life. Everything around it screams that things die out here. But you come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. Now Mount Zion, of course, this is a part of the, uh, city of Jerusalem that David took. They had part of it, but they didn't have this, this, the fortress part. And this was the mountain that was there. I tried to get some pictures up there. They would just show you this is the Mount Zion part. This is all the other parts. And, and this one would have this part of the picture in there, and this one would have the other part. Nothing would have all of it in there, so that didn't go so well. But if you can picture the, the city of Jerusalem, Mount Moriah is on one side, and this is where the Temple Mount is. And not far from that particular place is what is referred to as Mount Zion. So they're fairly close to each other. So the temple, the temple mount, is where the Spirit of God showed up in the life of David. And that's where the temple was was built there. There's this is, of course, that was the place where Abraham had sacrificed his, his son. And God told him, no, don't sacrifice him. That's where all that occurred. That was Mount Moriah. So this is all in the same spot. Mount Zion is very close to it. In fact, as I look at it, it almost looks like it's part of it, but that does have two different names. Mount Moriah is, is for this side. Mount Zion is for this. But Mount Zion isn't anything near the intimidating mountain that Mount Sinai is. I mean, it's still a mountain to climb. It was a fortress. But it wasn't anything like the height of Mount Sinai to, to get up. It, was just, it says, You have come to Mount S- Zion. This is, this is such an inviting place. They built a city on it. Before the, even the time of David, they built a city on this one. Back in, the, in uh, Abraham's day, they had the King of Salem, which is the forerunner to Jerusalem. So they had a city back, back then. This was a very inviting place. There were lots of good things around here. And so people built cities there to, to live. The city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels. There's a Jerusalem, of course, that's in, that's in heaven. It's going to be coming down upon this place. To the general assembly the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So we have an innumerable com- company of angels. We have a general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. They're, they're part of this number. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. These are all people That are the inhabitants of this, this, uh, place. This city of Zion. This is a place that is teeming with life. Good things. He says, when you go back into the law, you are going back to Mount Sinai. You're going back to the darkness. You're going back to the things that present as fear. But instead, don't do that. Come over. You're supposed to come over here to Mount Zion. Mount Zion. This is this is the place where uh, the temple's right over here. It's just over there on the other side. You can see it from Mount Zion. And Mount Zion is a place of of protection. It's a place of of abundance. It's a place of water, food, life. It's not a wilderness. This is something that's that's good. And then Heavenly Jerusalem's coming down upon this place. Most important, Jesus, the mediator. Not just a manifested presence of God. It's going to be here. Oh, I tell you what, this is what we need to, to be focused on. Jesus, the mediator. He's the one that's here. Who was the mediator at Sinai? It was Moses. Moses' one. Take a look at some of these prophecies from Isaiah. In uh, Isaiah 24 and 23. Then the moon will be dis- disgraced and a son of shame. For the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before His elders gloriously. Chapter 27, verse 13. So it shall be in that day the great trumpet will be blown. See, God has His own trumpets. The great trumpet's going to be blown. And they will come who are about to perish in the land of Assyria and they who are outcasts in the land of Egypt and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. Isaiah 16, verse 14. Also the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing down to you, and all who despise you shall fall prostrate prostrate, at the soles of your feet. they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Those are some of Isaiah's prophecies about Zion. And what would go. Revelation has one in chapter 14, verse 1. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion... And with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. So Mount Zion is, it's quite the place. God's looking forward to setting up something here in Mount Zion. Not Mount Sinai. He's not setting up anything in Mount Sinai. He set it up in Mount Zion. And so the writer of Hebrews here, he's telling you, don't go over to Sinai. God's done with that. He showed up there. He gave us the law. It's over. We're over here. We're on, we're on Mount Zion now. This is where you want to come to. This is where this is where the life is. This is where the good things are. Don't go over there where there's fear and trembling. People are afraid. There's noises that scare people. Mountains shake. Don't go over there to that. Stay over here where the life is. He says to Jesus, in verse 24 of Hebrews, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now, as we looked over this, I was reading up what some other people have, and most of them go back here to Genesis chapter four, verse ten, as he says, "What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground." Because he says here the, sprink, the, the sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. And so they're seeing the blood as speaking something and so they immediately go to this. I don't think that's the case. Now I couldn't find anybody else uh, that mind looking. I didn't find anybody else that agreed with me. But I didn't look at everybody. I only looked at a couple of them. <laughs> Most of them were going back to this. But here in the writer of Hebrews, he is constantly comparing Old Covenant to New Covenant. So why in the world are we going to a single act of the death of Abel? What does that have to do with the first covenant or the second covenant? It's got nothing to do with it. How does that blood speaking anything tie into what he's been getting, getting at? So why is he bringing in Abel and why is he talking about the blood here? So I have, I wrote this down in your outline for you. Not his death. Not the death of Abel, but his sacrifices. Because in the Word of God, when there were sacrifices made for the uh, for sin beside the one that Jesus Christ uh, made, when he sacrificed the animals and made the skins out for Adam and Eve to have covering, what's the next time we read of a sacrifice in the Word of God? Cain and Abel. And of those two, even the writer of Hebrews is talking about which one being superior Abel's. Because it was a blood sacrifice. So why in the world is he going back to the case of Abel dying? Why wouldn't he go back to what he's already talked about? And that's Abel's sacrifice. So I don't know if anybody else agrees with me. I don't care. <laughs> because I look for the consistency in, in what's going on in the Word. And to me, this is the consistent part of what goes on with the Word. It's, it's the sacrifice. Because look, the, the, most of these guys, are, they're jumping on the fact that the blood is speaking. But he also used the word sprinkling. And whenever you hear the word sprinkling, what's that associated with? The sacrifice. So why don't we focus on the word sprinkling instead of the word speaking? So I focus on the word sprinkling. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Well, there's a sprinkling of blood that uh, is done with Jesus. And that certainly is going to be better than what Abel did. Abel's sacrifice was before the law. And so, see, he's going back to Abel's sacrifice, not the law sacrifice, because the law sacrifice was patterned after Abel's sacrifice, because Abel's sacrifice was based upon what what Jesus Christ taught them to do, and the law came from from God, from Jesus. They're the one. So it's going to be consistent. But he went all the way back to the first sacrifice, not just to the to Aaron's sacrifice. He could have said Aaron's sacrifice. If he faced that error, and be focused on the word "sprinkle," but instead they focus on the word "speak." Not comparing Aaron, Aaron's sacrifice under the law, he goes all the way back to the first sacrifices that God called for, and he says, "This Jesus, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel." So the sprinkling of blood that Jesus does speaks better things than any sacrifice ever made. And that's what he's referring to. And this is part of the New Jerusalem, or the, sorry, the, the, the city of Zion, which would be the New Jerusalem coming down, but the, the city of Zion. He says, you haven't come to, to Mount Sinai. You've come to Mount Zion. The city is going to come down on this, on this great hill. This is, what's going to, this is what's going to go on. See, the purpose of the law was this. It was to show the problem. That was the first thing. The purpose of the law was to come down and to show the problem. And then secondly, that's through the commandments. The commandments would show the problem. And then secondly, it was to point to the answer and that's through the sacrifices. Well, I, I had to eliminate them from your outline because you had no room. But you can squeeze that in there if you want. First off, I had to show the problem without well, that be the commandments. And secondly, point to the answer and that's the sacrifices. Sinai, see it showed... Showed them that they were sinners before God. That's really all that it did. It showed them you guys are sinners and they were in fear and trembling before God. Because sinners before God are in fear. They needed a mediator. At that point, all they had was Moses. But they saw him since he was a mediator as being the great mediator. But the writer of Hebrews is telling us there's a better mediator. Remember he went through and he spent time that Jesus is a better mediator than Moses was. He went up, uh, Moses went up to God, but Jesus went all the way up to God. God had to come down to the mountain to meet with Moses, but our mediator, Jesus went all the way up to heaven. He's better. <laughs> he was better. But let's get to that point that I was, I was referring to, the little doodles that I was, I was doing. I started making these, uh, um, these Just in my head, I, be, I was beginning to picture something. And so I started drawing on a little 3x5 card that I had lying around. And I was drawing these arrows around this thing. And, and um, I, was, uh, I was I was beginning to count out some things. And I, I counted out how many, uh, uh, these, these ups and these downs that had gone on. And then I began in my mind, I was beginning to go through, wait a minute. I began to, to think about some other ups and downs. I said, oh, wow. And so I had to start writing them down. I started labeling all these things. So I'm going to label them here for you as best as we can. But um, when we started this whole thing out with Moses, Moses first off went up to the mountain because he's down on the earth. But Jesus, who's the one we're comparing to, when he started out everything, he came down. Moses went up to start stuff. Jesus came down to the earth. But then we're going to notice that both of them went up and down a lot of times. So first off, Jesus went down into hell and was raised. That was the first time we see uh, go, go down and up. This, be, this is the only time he went down and up. All the rest of them he went up and down. The second time we see that he ascended to the, to the Father after Mary saw him. Remember Mary saw him after he says, Don't touch me. I haven't ascended yet to my Father. He has to go up to the Father. And then after He went up to the Father, what did He do? He came back down. That's the second time. Third time, Jesus ascended and He told all His disciples, now you all get out there and uh, be witnesses for Me. I'm coming back. And He's going to return for His church. And so that's the third one we have. He's going up into heaven. He's coming back for His church. And the fourth one, we have Jesus return with His army. And He judges the world and sets up His temporary kingdom. The millennial kingdom. So I began to draw that out and then I began to put a, put some labels on this. And so then I went back on through and looked at, compared it to Moses. And so the first time Jesus went down into hell and was raised. And so I went back to the first time that Moses went up and then came back down. And when he came back down, this is the message that he had. You are a special treasure to me. Now when Jesus went down into the earth and he came back up why did he do it? Because we were a special treasure to him. So I thought that's kind of curious. So I went to the second one. Jesus ascended to the Father after a very solemn He said don't touch me don't touch me. I haven't yet ascended to my father. And when Moses came down the second time, the word of God to him was sanctify the people. Sanctify the Why did Jesus descend to the Father? Take his blood, sprinkle the altar, and sanctify the people. Number three. Jesus ascended and would return for his church. He came on back down and he spent 40 days with his disciples. 40 days he spent down here on the earth with his disciples, walking around, appearing here and there. And Moses was sent back down to warn the people, don't you come up. Don't you come up. Don't you come up on this mountain. It won't be good if you come up. When Jesus came down from heaven, he commissioned his people. He commissioned his disciples. Y'all, you're my witnesses. You need to go out. You need to be warning these people. Tell them the kingdom of God is coming. You need to be telling them, I'm coming back soon. You need to get them ready. You need to warn them he need to call him in. The fourth time, Jesus returned with his army and judges the world and sets up his temporary kingdom. When Moses returned the fourth time, he returns with the law that stands as a judge to point people to their need of a Savior for a temporary time. Jesus came down to set up his kingdom for a 1,000 year temporary millennial kingdom after he judges the world. The law came down to judge man and tell him you need a Savior. But it was temporary. It was not permanent. I don't know if any of those things were intended in the writing, but I sure thought they was kind of interesting to me that Moses kept going up and down and up and down and up and down and to see that Jesus did the same thing. Up and down. Up And down. Except his up and down was even more than a mountain. Well, his lesson for us here is that in our, in our life, does our life look like we're coming to Mount Zion or are we coming to Mount Sinai? Does your walk would God involve uncertainty in approaching God? Or do you know how and what to approach Him for? You see, the people who come to Mount Zion, we know why we're coming, we know how we're coming, we're comfortable in coming. This is a good thing. We're looking forward to coming to Mount Zion. But when they came to Mount Sinai, they weren't they weren't looking forward to it. They were afraid. I'm not sure what God's gonna do. We're not called to be coming to God. Like we came to Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai. But as Mount Zion. To a city that's teeming with life. Good things. Do you see God as one of judgment and wrath? Or one of life abundance and good things? How do you see God? Oh, God's going to get you. Man, if you mess up, if you start doing stuff like that, God is coming to get you. Do you see God as I love you, but don't get too close? Or do you see Him as one in which you can take shelter and comfort? See, so there's a very stark difference between a relationship with God and Mount Zion and a relationship with God, Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai won't produce warmth and love and caring. But non Zion will. And if you wonder, how is it that I see God, just take a look at the, how you are with other people. Are you always in judgment? Harsh? Or are you loving? Caring? See, we may, we may be able to say, well, I see God this way. But if we do, our life is going is going to reflect that. The enemy is always trying to push you into a relationship with God like Mount Sinai. You see, he would rather that you have no relationship with God. But he knows there's some people, he's not going to, be able to talk them out of having a relationship. They're going to have a relationship with God. So if you're going to have a relationship with God, I, he, this is the devil talking, I need to push you into a place where it's going to be like Mount Sinai instead of Mount Zion. I need to get you in a place where you are filled with judgment fear seeing the wrath of God all around you storm clouds and loud noises and bring people in in a place of fear you'll see people like this on the street corners repent or you'll die that's Mount Sinai or Mount, uh, Mount Sinai repent that's what's true you, you don't repent you'll die But is that how Jesus brought people to him? Hey, y'all listen to me or you're gonna die. You're gonna wipe. That's not how Jesus did it. He was a Mount Zion type of a guy. People came to him and they said, wow, this is, this is good being around this. Jesus said, I have the words of life. Our words should be words of life, not judgment. Love, not harshness. Yeah, but people don't know. Apparently Jesus was able to get people to know without having to be nasty and harsh. We don't have to be nasty and harsh to get people to understand the goodness of our God. Get people to understand the God of Mount Zion. Not what appeared on Mount Sinai. Don't feel like and I tell you what—I've seen other Christians, and they come in and they say, "You're you're preaching too much love. Too much love. You need to get some judgment mixed in there. Then you need to let people know that they're they're on their way to hell." You see, people who run into this whenever they see somebody in in uh, areas of sin say that they're in homosexuality, say that they're in adultery, say that they're in in, in things like this. Well, they always got to feel like we got to preach at your sin. We got to condemn your sin. You don't got to condemn their sin. You don't got to condone it. You don't got to condemn it. Word of God does it does that all, all by itself. But you got to get out there and you got to let people know that God loves them. And that God's a Mount Zion type of a God. Not a Mount Sinai. See, some, some Christians, as soon as they see somebody who's in an, a lifestyle of sin, every interaction they have with them is about that lifestyle of sin. We've got to condemn them to get them out of it. That's Mount Sinai. And every time that person sees you coming over, you know what they see? Not you, a person, but people that are like that. They see storm clouds. They see blackness. They see fire. Scary noises so much so that they want to run. They want to get away. But you see, the kingdom of God is like Mount Zion. See, I can love people that are in a lifestyle that isn't right. I can love them. Think about Jesus in this. Jesus showed up in a house of sinners. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. You're gonna make me some dinner. And he comes on over, and we don't have anything about that Jesus, uh, was preaching against all their sin. He's just in there having dinner with them. Lunch, dinner, whatever it was. They were, they're were just having a meal. And then all of a sudden, what happens to Zacchaeus? That's it, I'm repenting. I'm, I'm getting away from this. And whatever I've done to steal from people, I'm gonna make it good for them. Just in there having a meal, because the Mount Zion God will correct a whole lot more than the Mount Sinai. A lot of people are trying to portray. It's not going to correct everybody. There are some people you're going to. They're going to see the love of God in you, and they're going to put you down. They're going to persecute you. They're going to do all sorts of stuff. They're going to attack you with all all kinds of crazy things. It's all right. Stay on that side of the of the love. I don't have to condemn them. We don't gotta we don't gotta do anything. They're, they will find a way to say something nasty about you. Because that's what they do. But just keep reflecting. That's how I unkind of God. I remember the uh the story that came out. Remember that pizza place? The reporter went in because they were trying to find somebody who was racist. And they went on in, they went into thousands of Restaurants to find somebody who would not cater a homosexual wedding. And they, um they pushed them and said, well, would you cater a homosexual wedding? And they, you know, I don't know, they, they took them a little while, I believe, to answer. Well, I guess, you know, we, we probably wouldn't and, and so forth, but then they just went on and they, they just took whatever they could from that and they just made these people just the nastiest people in the world because of they, they said that. And yet, when we find out about who these people were, well, they said, "Well, we have customers that are homosexuals, and they come in, and they, we don't question about their lifestyle. They come in and they eat pizza, and they go. Mm-hmm. We don't say we're not going to serve them, and uh, we just, I, my my response was, I was thinking about that. You know, you can always think about a better response mm-hmm. afterwards. And uh, the reporters are not after the truth; they're just after something that they can, they can get you on. Mm-hmm. I was my thought was, uh, <clears throat> anybody who asks for a pizza place to cater their wedding needs to have their head examined. I would just say, I've been doing this business for 40 years. I have never had anybody having a wedding who wanted to have pizza. So if you can go out there and you can find somebody <laughs> who wants to have pizza at their wedding, uh, I think we wouldn't do it because they're probably not right. And we probably get burned on the bill. <laughs> I think that would have been sufficient enough to have done it. But um anyway, that's probably a whole lot easier to answer than, than, uh, than other times. But we got to make sure that we present as uh, the writer of Hebrews here is telling a God of Mount Zion. Not a God of Mount Sinai. He's not a God of... I mean, He will judge. He will judge. But there's a reason that he'll judge and it won't come for a while. When we see Moses going up and down and up and down and up and down, I think the reason that we're seeing such a different God each time, hey, I love these people. I love these, these people. They're great. They're special people. And the next time, get on down there. Those people, they're going to come up on there. And I just know it because they're stupid people. <laughs> I think the reason that for that is that each time that Jesus had gone up and come down, it was for a different aspect of the ministry. And maybe that's what he was trying to portray in that. What kind of God do we portray when we're out there in the world? Is it a God who's teeming with life? Or a God that is filled with thunderings and lightnings and smoke and judgment. Well, Father, we are your ambassadors into this world. We want to make sure we portray the God that we serve. Help us in all of our words and all the things that we say and all the things that we do to show that our God is teeming with life, with love, with good things, with abundance. He's not out there in the wilderness burning up mountains and scaring people. God that we serve is building great and beautiful cities And we get to be a part of all that He's making. I thank You for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.